Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mishmash Men. Uh, today, you're here with me, uh, Dustin Labar, and to my direct left is my co-host, Mr. Adam Mauser. How do you do? Uh, last week, we hope you all liked the episode with Erica. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I want to say, because uh, people have already seen a little bit of social media exposure that she's given us, and uh, then when they find out like that we interviewed her, um, they always ask, uh, is she like that, like, all the time? Yeah. And when you're, whenever you meet somebody and you just have this other impression, I'm sure the millions of fans that we have are wondering, what are we like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but she's a genuine article. It's just a, a, you know, just a sweet person and very gregarious and, and very, uh, very generous with her time. So we appreciate her. Uh, the fans really wanted to know, I was getting, I'm getting a lot of feedback, is how were you able to deal with it without me there? It was a struggle. Yeah. It was a struggle. So Abby, she was off camera. Um, but she was poking me with a stick whenever I forgot something. That's so whenever go. you'd see me flinch, that was her and, and wince in pain. Yeah, that, just, that was, she was like, do what Dusty would do. Yeah, that what exactly right. I, yeah. She had a, I had a separate ear little thing and she'd, she'd say, this is what Dusty would say. Yeah. Dusty. Yeah. Dusty wouldn't say that. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I was, uh, um, uh, I mean, I heard great, really great things about it, and I heard that the interview was great. So, um, hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully, we're gonna have more people on soon. Yep, if we have. Um, uh, we've got one in July that we're gonna record, and then uh, some after that. And I'm working on one uh, that has been a reaching for the bars guest, but that's right. If I can nail him down, we'll. Um, it'll be a fun episode with the, with the three of us. I think. Yeah. Um, today, we're gonna talk about pyramid schemes slash Ponzi schemes. So I think a lot of times um, they're pretty close, basically, but um, they're not the same. They are a little bit different. Sure. So um, f- I'm just going to give a general de- definition of a pyramid scheme, and then we can talk about that first. So uh, this is from um, online. Okay, on, so, yeah, from internet? From the internet. Um, a pyramid scheme is a form of investment, uh, which is illegal in the U.S. and elsewhere, in which each paying participant recruits two or more further participants with return being given to the early participants using money contributed by the later ones. Okay. So um, are you familiar, before we get into this one, uh, are you familiar with any pyramid schemes that you can pull off the top of your head? Uh, there are, uh, I won't name names, but there are certain sales um, models that are based off of that. Um. I mean, we're definitely going to name names of companies in this okay. episode. So, but um, like, if you've done CrossFit, which I'm sure a lot of people listen to this one, one of the main ones was Advocare. Do you remember that? No, I don't. So, actually, Rich Froning got into it. He was selling Advocare. So basically, they had supplements, yeah. right? And, it's and popular and in the, the get, sport. Yeah, and you want to get you know good people to promote your supplements, and they would sell the supplements. But the trick was because I had multiple people in the CrossFit community be like, you should be you know, I'm this guy and you could be underneath me, and you're, oh, and right. you're, you know? So basically the gimmick was, is okay. There's guy at the top of the pyramid, you know, right. but I mean, he gets two, three or four people under him. And he's like, all you have to do is buy the product. Like it's a $300 package. Yeah. You buy the product, then you sell the product. The product sells itself. It's a good quality product. And then you get people under you and yeah. then you get money from them. So, Everybody underneath is just funneling money up to the top. Right. So these people make money off of um, the people that sign up underneath those people. So it just keeps expanding out. Right. So the guy at the top, 
if you sign under, underneath him and then you sign two people, well, now he has three people technically under him and all that money keeps fun, funneling up. So is the, so the idea, I'll just say it another way. The idea is it's a great product. You should buy it. And then, Hey, if you're interested in making more money, do you have friends? Do you yeah, like exactly. talking to people? And then, you know, you, you could convince them uh, to help you out and mm -hmm. maybe expand your sales a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it just continues to grow. So I had a, a conversation with a guy who was, he was making a lot of money doing it. Be, I'm sure getting, yeah. getting a lot of people under him. But he was like, man, you just be, you'd be, just be so good at this. You could really promote this product. He was like, it's $500 all in. You get all, you get the starter pack and then you'll just do great. You'll get people underneath you. I was like, well, I don't have 500, but if I'll be so good at it, can you just loan me the 500? Right. And he was like, well, that's not the way it works. And I was like, it seems like that could be the way it works. Right. I mean, but he was like, no, no, you have to sign up and pay. So, you know, these have happened a ton of times. So, and it is illegal, but they've remarketed some of them. They call them uh, multi-level marketing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, they're like, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's multi-level marketing. But how do they, how do they retain you? Or are you going to get to that? Well, how did the, how did the pyramid scheme keep you? Yeah, because so you could, you could try it and be like, you know, uh, I, this isn't for me. I'm not a good sales guy. So typically this is the way it goes. You're not making money off. You are, but you're not making your money off of the sale of the product. You're making your money by telling other people how good the product is and they should sell it also. So you may have people that you sell the, they may come to you and buy, you know, I want some protein or I want this. They may, there's people that do that. But really the scheme is, is that you want as many people underneath you because all of the people they sign up, that money funnels up to you. Right. So th what happens is, is the people that fizzle out are the people that have a hard time. You could be a great salesman. You're not just making a living selling the product because the product's very expensive. There's a low return on it. And the margin is probably um, very bad. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so the people that fizzle out are the ones that are just like, I'll just sell the product. I don't need to sign my friends up, but you're not going to make money doing that. So you have to sign up people underneath you, Yeah. which then, you know, and then they're like, you know, if you sign up this many people, you're a platinum star member and you get to go to Hawaii on a vacation with everybody. And you're like, okay, well, but how many people do I have to scam into signing up and paying $500? Right. And nobody really, I mean, it's a guy at the top that starts it. And then, yeah. you know, that's, that's where it goes. Um, so here's, let's just go over 10, 10, um, of the most famous pyramid schemes. Schemes is a bad, a bad word. It just sounds nasty. I mean, that's the vernacular. Yeah. I mean, it is, yeah. but it's a scheme. Uh, Mary Kay consulting. I remember this vividly. Oh yeah. Um, the pink cars. Yep. So, I mean, I remember somebody asking my mom, she was like, you'd be great. My mom would be the worst salesman. <laughs> I mean, so the fact that somebody said you would be great is like hysterical to me because my mom, I mean, she would just be the worst. Um, but yeah, they'd be like you, if you wear makeup, it's unbelievable products. You look so beautiful. You wear makeup. Do you have friends? Yeah. Do you, it's perfect. Do you like money? It's like, oh my God, this couldn't get any better. <laughs> um, I've heard of that one. Then we have uh, business in motion. Um, I've heard of that. I've one. never heard of that one. It was um, so. It was basically like club vacation packages. Is basically the way it works. Oh, okay. So that, that was kind of the one. It was in Canada. Um, I think it's pronounced Canadia. Canadia. I'm sorry. Okay. There isn't. There is an I A in there. Yeah. Sorry. Um, sorry. Um, a lot of these ended up with some kind of settlement at the end. Like people were yeah. like, "Hey, you." You got you got me. I want money. So this one ended up with six point five million, but we'll find out that there's way bigger settlements because that was a long time ago. Um, another one I haven't heard of uh, that was in the '80s. I had to read a little bit about this. It was United Sciences uh, of America. Um, so basically, they 
were supplement or they were promoting HIV and cancer drugs. Oh, is that's, what it turns out. To, yeah, yeah. That's, so that was not. Yikes. Um, yeah. So it was not. It was not the best. Um, that's like preying on people that like you know. I, I think that are desperate for yeah, a I, solution. So right? I think I think the problem with the, the reason that pyramid schemes get people. I don't want to say anything, but. The, the 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 reason it gets people is because they're like selling you the American dream. Yeah, it's like, do you hate working forty hours? You're like, yeah, of course. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, it's like, well, you could just not have to work. You could just make all this money. Your money makes, and so everybody's like sold in, and like they're they're pretty much willing to sell anything. They don't know if the supplement works. They're not scientists. No, they're just like this protein is like any other protein. This yeah, and and typically the the stuff ends up going away. But do you remember you ever heard of Spark? Spark the energy drink. Yeah, I think so. Maybe that was like an Advocare thing. And Advocare would sell you like fifty dollar bottles of, of protein, and and they'd be like, "You're gonna lose so much weight," but it's because they're like, "But only drink this protein three times a day. Don't eat anything else." Okay, I think I know someone that might have been an Advocare through a friend, uh, salesperson, because I remember hearing about this, this pitch. I didn't hear it directly from that person, but it was like that's all I heard about for a little bit. I almost guarantee you that if you've been in the CrossFit community as long as you have, somebody has tried to sell you Advocare products. Because it's like a big thing in CrossFit. Maybe so. I mean, it's a big thing in CrossFit. Or maybe they look at me, they're like, this guy, there's no helping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look it's, how pathetic he looks. <laughs> um, then we have USANA Health Sciences. They call it multi, um, multi-level marketing um, because it only sells its products through distributors. Um, or it doesn't just do that. You can sell, you can sell the product to, to, you can sell their product to anyone, not just distributors. That's how they get out of it. So they're not just selling the product to distributors. Somebody can just go online and buy their product. That's how they tried to try to get around it. But they did, they did find that them that they were a a, a pyramid scheme. So they end up um, suing them and, and winning the, the class action lawsuit. Um, this is the big one that I wanted to get to. There's two actually. Herbalife. You oh, have yeah, I've heard of Herbalife. Herbalife. Yeah. People still today they know it was a they know it was a, a scheme a scheme and they still will try to buy the products. Wow. So they're, they have not like given up yet. They're still like, these products are unbelievable. Well, it's almost two separate bins though. So they, they could be a decent product. I have no firsthand knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, same thing with Advocare. They could be a decent product. Yeah. And good enough. Good enough. Yeah. Uh, but the scheme to sell it, that's what I think most people, that's what's illegal. That's what people yeah. object to. So is Herbalife uh, shady? Yeah. I mean, so did you actually hear, actually, before I get to that, I was thinking about this last night and I forgot to look it up. Um, they, this guy's wife like went missing, I think was part of the thing. Like they had storefronts. We can look it up. I'll have somebody post yeah. something about it. Um, so they ended up paying a $200 million fine in 2016. So they felt that it was enough because it was just a pyramid scheme. And it wasn't David Miscavige's wife. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that lady is not alive for sure. Um, uh, you ever heard of Bill Ackman? I've heard of him. He's an investor. He shorted Herbalife stock and like made a ton of money. So he was like, I see what I see the writing on the wall on this and like made it a whole, made a whole bunch of money on it. Fix that wagon. Um, so that was, that was interesting. So yeah. So, um, Herbalife is technically still around. They had like storefronts, Mm -hmm. but I think that was more of a way for them to like funnel money. Cause you know how like, oh, just Scientology just buys like all these properties and calls them churches, but it's a way to funnel money into property. Right. Like you're not going there. You're not going to the Herbalife store to buy Herbalife. You just ordered online. Like it's within our time where we order stuff online. Plus real estate, especially commercial commercial real estate, is a decent investment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's um, 
So I think that's exactly what they did. Because I watched a documentary, and I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Like, why does the wife always go missing at any of these schemes? I don't know. It's like, I, she knows too much. She can't be she can't be around. Maybe she sees the books, hears a couple phone calls, and then, you and then know. And she's like, I'm going to take this to the police. Yeah. And he's like, are you? All right. I guess we'll find out. Good luck. Yeah. He's like, wasn't, everybody's like, wasn't your wife Asian? This is a different <laughs> lady. He's like, no, it's the same lady. Don't, don't ask any follow-up questions. Um, this one I've heard of, and I was hoping that you would know more about it. Amway. Oh, I've heard of Amway. Amway. Yeah. Um, so the distributors were not paid specifically for recruiting new salespeople people just a commission on the on the products new distributors bought so new distributors would buy the product to sell and then that person above them would make the money which is essentially oh, nice exactly i mean dude it's the best yeah i mean we should probably start one today i don't know what we would do we could do a podcast one where we just get podcasts underneath us yes and then every time they get an ad that comes up to us somehow yeah we make the two cents <laughs> and then you sign up new podcasts it's like listen this is the best way it only takes Multiple hours of your life a week. Right. And you just keep working at it. Um, they did, the Amway settled a class action lawsuit um, and for $100 million in California. Ooh. So it's a pretty substantial amount of money. Was that uh, in federal court and it just happened to be in California or was that like a... Uh, it was a federal district court in California. Okay. Yeah, federal district court in California. Um, so I guess I guess the problem with, with these specifically is that a lot of them, you kind of get away with it if you can if the product's actually distributed, if people are making money through the sale of the product. Right. But when you're just making money off like, um, scamming some loser into, yeah. <laughs> into, into, selling. into selling the stuff. Uh, I knew a lot of people that did it. Like I knew a lot of people that like quit their jobs oh. and then there's, you know, there's no going back. I mean, I guess there's going back, but it's, it's a problem. So, which brings me to my next thing. So let's switch gears and go to what I am super excited to talk about is the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So this is a little different. Uh, Ponzi, a Ponzi scheme is a form of fraud in which belief in the success of a non-existent enterprise is fostered by the payment of quick returns to the first investors from money invested by later investors. So it's similar to a pyramid scheme that it's you're getting money from other people's um, signing up. But um, there's not a product to sell. It's legitimately just the returns on money that you think you're investing. Right. Um, so do you know, like, who is the biggest, the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time of, of considered? Uh, the U.S. government with Social Security. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you were going to say that. <laughs> so uh, Bernie Madoff. Bernie, yeah, that's yeah, correct. Bernie Madoff. So this is interesting. I watched a documentary on him and I found it very interesting. So the funny thing about him is he could have just been fine if he didn't do this. He had an actual thriving business. Yeah. So did you watch it? I haven't seen it, but I've seen when that was going down, I was yeah. watching a lot of it. So he had like two, like, or uh, he was in a building and like upstairs was the fully illegal, fully legal functioning investment firm or whatever he was doing. Exactly. <clears throat> then below he had this dude that had been working with him since like the seventies and he was just running this total Ponzi scheme. So he basically would. So I'm going to say it in super simple terms. That's how I understand it. So you'd meet Bernie Madoff and he'd be like, I have this unbelievable investment opportunity. You give me a hundred thousand dollars and in one quarter you're going to make 20 grand. So people are like, Oh my God, yeah. that's the return on the investment is crazy. How could I not? But what you didn't know is he would take your hundred grand and he would put it in a bank account and then he would take somebody else's hundred grand and then multiple people's hundred right. grand. And the investment was just more people. And then every, and then it, he would pay you the $20,000, right. but it was just, from somebody else's hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And it was just the more people he got, 
it was like some crazy amount of money um, that like billions of money like that he defrauded people. Um, so it was basically, it was an account that pooled from 5,000 clients um, and he withdrew from that. And um, once the, for, once 2007, 2008, the financial crisis hit, right. people were calling in there. Yeah. People were like, I need that money. Like at the, uh, in the movie, uh, it's a wonderful life. There was mm-hmm. a bank run and like, okay, well I need my money. Yep. And he didn't have it. Yep. That's just what happened in, um, well, I mean, it wasn't, a, it was a bank, but that bank in Silicon, that Silicon Valley bank is something happened and everybody was like, I need, I, we need right. our money now. So they went, they went to him and they were like, we need our money. We want to get out of this. And he was like, I don't have, I can't pay you all back. Right. I can't pay you all back that money. And he wasn't George Bailey. That's in show and show yeah. house. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's under the floorboards. <laughs> um, so he's the biggest the, or I, I shouldn't say the biggest. He was the one. He's definitely had the most money, but he was one of the ones that everybody kind of knows about. Right. Uh, As a private individual. Yes. Yes. Not the United States government. Or the Federal Reserve. That's or, another or the with their Reserve. fractional reserve banking. But that's uh, another podcast we're going to get to. A fractional reserve banking. Uh, that's our whole banking system is based off fractional reserve. It's exactly it, it is literally a Ponzi scheme. Okay. Because if everyone draws their money out. Yeah. They don't have enough money to cover it. So they only have to have legally a fraction in reserve okay. of the money. Like what fraction? Is I don't know small? what the number is. Is it very small? Um, is it smaller than you want it to be? And that's why the Federal Reserve uh, keeps printing more money. Right. Even though they're, like the Constitution says Congress is supposed to regulate. The printing of money? The the uh, It's not printing, um, but because money is legally a coin. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, those reserve notes are something different. I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, but yeah, fractional reserve banking is literally a Ponzi scheme. That's funny. Yeah. Um, and sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. It's funny because you were just like, the United States government. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guy, so number one on the list is Charles Ponzi. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, how the name came about. Yeah. So he, so the first, so Charles, he was an, Ita- it was an Italian guy. Um, it can be traced as far back as the mid 1880s. Um he was he so he's considered obviously the originator of the Ponzi scheme. Um, so basically, so he had he was making money off these like stamps from different countries. So you could like basically invest on these on this currency from different like tariff stamps. Type yes, of thing? yes, yeah. from different countries. And then he was doing exactly the same thing. He was taking people's money, and then I, he actually moved to America, and that's how it kind of kind of kind of got followed that. that. That's right. Um. So at the end of 1919, Posse founded the Securities Exchange Commission in Massachusetts. Yeah, there we go. Um, and within 18 months, uh, within, a, within a month, 18 investors put a total of $1,800 into his company, which in 1919 was, you know, the investors were paid the next month with money that Ponzi secured from the next set of investors. And over time, Ponzi's uh, business expanded and he began to hire agents to seek out new investors across New England and New Jersey. So he's just expanding and getting all this stuff. Um, three quarters of Boston police, police officers were, have invested in his scheme and uh, a banker from Kansas put down $10,000 and then in 1920 Ponzi ranked an impressive $1 million in a single day. And that's in 1920. He generated an estimate of $15 million in eight months. Well, this, uh, well, it may seem small, but obviously it's a, it's a lot bigger. Um, that's what's a particularly, <coughs> Um, interesting about his because he made $15 million in, in eight months in 1920. 
That's which a I lot don't even know what that would be. Now. Hundreds of Maybe, millions of dollars. I'd say at least a hundred. A hundred million dollars. Yeah. Just total guess. Um, thanks to inflation and the Federal Reserve. Yes, thanks to those guys just printing whatever they want. Um, so then we have Bernie Madoff. So we just talked about him. I just talked about him first. Um, I just want to pull up some of the numbers that he talked about. Um, Sixty-four point eight billion dollars is how much he took from people in seventeen years. That's with a B. Eight, six, 64.8 billion dollars billion over the course of 17 years he um you know what his um his sentence was he sentenced to prison no money laundering and he got sentenced to 150 years in prison and he was what in the 70s when he, he was he was older yeah so yeah. he died in prison it said he died in april 2021 um and he actually he established the bernie madoff investment securities which was like his legitimate job, like his legitimate business in the sixties. And then obviously found out, I mean, it's a pretty smart plan to be honest with you. You just take money from people. that's not yours and you spend it. I wonder if it was one of those things where it just kind of starts off, you know, you kind of, you fudge a law or fudge what you should do or what you ought to do right. a little bit. And then, then you start seeing a little more potential and no one's knocking at your door saying, Hey, you can't do that. And it's like, Maybe I'll do it again. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it just grows and grows. And then, then you're in too deep and you just, you're stuck. I mean, for sure there has to be a, like a point of no return for somebody like him where you've like made a couple mistakes or you've done what you've done. Now you're like, well, I just got to keep this train rolling because you can't, otherwise you'll go to jail. Yeah. Cause you can't stop because these people still want their money and their investments. So yeah. it's not like you could just be like, Hey guys, sorry about the mix up. This was just a joke. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the only way out is try to legally invest their money and give them a return, but there's no way you're going to give them a return what you promised them. And you can't dump that kind of dough like that. Right, right, right. Because then, then the SEC, presumably an up and up organization says like, Hey, where'd you get the 64 billion or whatever it was? Yeah. 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 So he, um, like he had a lady in the documentary that was like worked in that level and they would just, I mean, she was like, there's so much money funneling through this place, like shoebox money. Like they're just like, what are we going to do with all this stuff? That's crazy. He put something like, um, I don't have the exact number here now. It must be in a different article. But he just had like $150 million sitting in one bank. He was like, this is just where I'll put it. <laughs> like, no, like, he's like, I'm sure somebody was like, should we put it in different banks? He was like, that's a terrible idea. We should yeah. keep it in this one bank. <laughs> and then he would, that's what he would use to like buy himself stuff or, sure. or whatever. And then, Why not? You if you're going to break the law, just go ahead and yep. whole hog. This one's funny. Um, this one's funny. I don't know a lot about it. And I thought we'd talk about it because i do know who the guy is do you know who lou perlman is lou perlman it sounds familiar he probably sounds familiar because he launched the backstreet boys oh that's right he was a boy band guy and in sync yep yeah um he so he got you know all these these bands to become famous he basically was telling people you know he was using his fame to like funneled all this money into his co- in his company and he swindled around $300 million from bank inv- investors. He actually pleaded guilty in 2008. God, he must, I think he was really old. He was given 25 years, but he died in federal custody in 2016. Yeah. So he basically was like, I've got the next hit on the corner, like invest into whatever his thing was, whatever his record company was. Um, and he was like, I'm sync Backstreet Boys. Am I right guys? And they were like, yeah, here's, here's a bunch of money. Let's, let's get this thing going. Yeah. Uh, but I think he was like a super creepy, like fraudulent dude anyway. Like even, I think 
I mean, have you seen not, pictures? Par- oh. yeah, when you see him, you're like, oh my gosh, what's He's up with problem. this guy? Yeah. They used to like create boy bands. Isn't that yeah. so funny? They would just be like, you're good looking and can sing and you're good yeah. looking and sing. You guys should sing together and then we'll just like the girls will go crazy. Like Menudo, you remember them? It's not, I don't think I know what they look like. That was, uh, I can't remember what country it was, um, but it was somewhere in South America or Central America. Right. And it was a boy band. Uh, Ricky Martin, he was part of Menudo. Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. thought he was always just like a singles guy. So he he was in a band, yeah, called Menudo. And it, it, you know they would just like replace, you know, once a talent got old enough, when they were like a grown man or you know pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, you're out. We need to get fresh meat in here because Menudo. I think I'm not. I have no idea of what if, if it's true. If it's but it, I think the Spanish is uh, fresh meat. Oh. Well, that makes sense. That's yeah. their fault that they should have known not to sign up for that band. So that was like early, early eighties, and then uh, and then the boy band stuff really started to proliferate after that. Because there was every like every boy band ever came out around the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, and it's all the same. You had like same formula. You had like the good looking guy, like the bad boy. Yeah. The. Um, there was the guy that like nobody cared about. But he was just in the background for like background music. Right. Um, it's kind of like our gym. It's exactly like our gym. We're all the back guys. We're all the guys that nobody cares about. Um, yeah, so that one was interesting. I like was reading this last night, and I was like, Lou Perlman. I was like, why does that name sound so familiar? And then I was like, oh, yes. I thought weird. maybe it was uh, Captain Lou from the wrestling manager. Captain Lou? Albano. Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, well... I think that's good for today. All right. Did you enjoy? Uh, did you enjoy Ponzi schemes? That was good. The the uh, I love bad mouth and uh, the United States government, Social Security, and Social Security. the Federal Reserve. Those well, are two so, things. Social Security is uh, we've all invested a lot of money in the Social Security. Yes, we have. Yeah. The older you get, the more you've invested. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you'll get some of it. I'm not counting on it. <laughs> I am not counting on it. That's not in my plan of like how much will I. Yeah. 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 Like when you retire, you're not like, I need that money. You, yeah. you got it all set. I, I, I will deliver pizzas before I count on that money. Well, that's probably smart. That's probably smart. Yeah. So a couple things before we go. Um, first off, you'll see that I'm wearing. Oh, I'm going to stand up. Does that say RFTB Studios? RFTB Studios. Yeah. That's um, the parent company, isn't that it? That is the parent company of this podcast and also the parent company of Reaching for the Bars podcast. So RFTB Studios. Um, the t-shirt was made by Charlie Mike Never Week in Apparel. Yes. Um, so if you guys need any apparel, t-shirts, anything that you can think of, these guys will do. You can go online onto their website. Um, you can order this shirt. You can order our Mishmash Men shirt. That's right. You can order, there's a new reach, uh, Reaching for the Bars podcast shirt. Um, and, and the owners have put up a bunch of different cool shirts. I know a lot of guys um, will see something cool and they'll want to make a custom one. They can absolutely do a custom one for you guys. Um, and if you're interested in ordering an RFTB studio shirt, a mishmash men shirt or anything else from our podcast, if you go to their website, you can click a pickup option if you're local to us right. and you don't have to pay for shipping. Charlie Mike never weekend apparel. Yep. It's a, it's locally owned and operated. Great people, friends of the podcast. They make all of our, pretty much every t-shirt you see us wearing in here yeah. at some way or another has been made by them. Uh, they're super speedy. Great, great t-shirt company to work with. And let me throw this out there. You don't need like high volume. No. So if you, let's say, because a lot of times we do these CrossFit competitions. It'd Mm -hmm. be a team of two, three, maybe four. Right. And the staff is great. They'll bring up two, three, or four shirts. Right. They'll help you design the shirt. 
the shirts are good quality. I love the the feel of the shirt. Yep. Uh, some of you already have our listeners have the mishmash men shirt mm-hmm. and crop tops. Um, and so they're, they're great shirts. Love them. Uh, the the staff bends over backwards to make sure that you're getting a good quality product. Yeah, we really appreciate everything they do. I'm going to be wearing some different ones that that they've made over the next couple episodes. So I have this one. Um, oh, before we go, I was going to ask you and I forgot. So we're saying goodbye, but I'm going to ask you this. Did you hear about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg fighting? I certainly did. Okay. And the latest. And the latest? Oh, that they're going to do it in the Coliseum? The latest is oh. uh, George St. Pierre is coaching Elon Musk. Yes, and, and yeah. John Jones is talking about coaching Mark Zuckerberg is what I heard. But He's got no help. Um, <laughs> I like John Jones. I but, need your – we're probably going to ask you when you sit in and reach for the bars too, but who do you got in that fight? Oh, Elon Musk. Hands is it, down. Is it because of size? It's size. And then I saw um, Elon Musk looks like he's got fight in him. He does look like he's. Um, the other guy, I, I saw the uh, a clip of him training. Um, training. And it looked like if you were going to be, let's, let's film a scene. And what we're going to have is this really rich guy who hires a coach to train him. Mm-hmm. But he's not really doing anything. We watched it on the on reaching for the bars. It was last pathetic. Week. I know nothing about about yeah. that other than I have done some grappling in the past. I have done some other things. Yeah. When I saw that, I saw all kinds of like missed. Yep. Chances, missed opportunities, and just weak. He just doesn't look like he's got fire. Yeah. Like there's there's a certain amount of rage that you just kind of keep on tap. Yeah. Eli, and controlled. Eli and, looks like he could freak out. You yes. know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure it's going to go to the ground. These guys aren't standing and, and, yeah. and punching each other in the face. But, but I, that would be sweet. <laughs> I mean, it would be if they just were laying the leather. So it may be on UFC 300. And then uh, Italy has said, you guys can do it in the Coliseum. Oh so they reached out and they were like, you guys can well, do it. Will it be lions? It needs to be lions. If there's not lions, I mean, there's going to be lions for sure. <laughs> so I, I meant to ask you that in the beginning of the podcast and I forgot. And then I was thinking that actually they made me a Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon shirt that I'll be wearing in a future podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Elon's going to demolish him. Plus, he's, he's a lot bigger. Uh, we looked it up. I think he's 6'1 or 6'2 yeah. and 220-ish. That sounds about right. And Mark Zuckerberg is shorter and skinnier than me. Yeah. So in... Well, he's a lot skinnier. Uh, than a lot skinnier than me. Yeah. I look like I ate Mark Zuckerberg is yeah. what I look like. So he's he doesn't really stand a good chance. And his fighting is... He won like a white belt tournament in jiu-jitsu and everybody's like, oh my God. You think you think he I think I could do that. I mean, <laughs> but do you think that he didn't walk in there and he's like, "I'm how much is it going to cost me to win this tournament?" Right. Yeah. I mean, that like his training partner was like not even he was like, "Oh no, watch out for the punches." Oh my god. <laughs> it was pathetic. It was not very cool. It was not I thought cool. it was a joke. No, it's pretty yeah. Did you hear him on the Rogan podcast? Uh, who Elon? Yeah, no, uh, uh Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg, yeah. No. He was on Rogan's podcast and he was talking about him training and he was like, "I just need to get out some is that's a pretty good impersonation. That was really good. Yeah. It sounded like somebody else we know. Did you think? Yeah, yeah. I only have one voice like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have my ultra southern Mabry voice, and uh, that's a good one. And then, uh, and then Say I have theater. This one. Theater. <laughs> Whoo! That's right, brother. That's Mabry. <laughs> All right. So again, thank you to Charlie Mike, uh, Charlie Mike Never Week in Apparel Company. Uh, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in every week. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We hope you enjoyed the interview last week. Adam did a great job. And then yeah, we missed you. We, we, I really did miss. Well, you. I appreciate it. I felt like I, um, when, when I saw her clip and she was like, her, his partner couldn't be there. 
and I thought you may have told her to say like he was he's very good looking. I'm sorry that I missed him or something cool like that. But she was just like Adam was awesome. The first yeah. 20 minutes of the podcast, that's all I talked about how She's, great you are. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I can't. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I needed that. tune in next week. I, to need, see. I needed that today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we appreciate y'all. Until next time, stay fresh, cheese bags. Stay fresh.